I'm not about to invite some sticky bald monster in here and and upend that. I have things to do. Now don't talk about metamorphosis like that. <gasps> Um, my name is Maxwell. Uh, my name is Carolyn. Um, and this is Mutable Immutables, the show where we quibble queerly. You like that? Uh, (laughs) Love that. Um, and exchange pleasantries. Yes. Uh, so Carolyn and I are, um, former co-workers. Uh, we used to work at a little bagel shop together. Um, but deep down at heart, we are both just queer southern women who love talking about absolutely nothing important at all <laughs> and so we figured why not do the thing that everyone's doing yeah. and turn it into a podcast so that's what we're doing the world really did need just one more just one more podcast <laughs> just, about gay shit yeah yeah exactly and you know what we are we're happy to bear that cross we are happy to contribute <laughs> to culture in any way that we can so you're all welcome Yes, you are welcome. So, um, Carolyn and I are very big fans of Drag Race. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is not going to be just another Drag Race podcast. However, because there are a million Drag Race shows that are happening right now, and because that's kind of where we are at focus-wise, that's probably what we're going to be talking a lot about. Um, But since neither one of us are drag queens, uh, we wanted to make sure that we were doing this in a very respectful way and that we kind of knew our history a little bit. So uh, today's episode is going to be mostly about um, the iconic film, Paris is Burning. Yeah, so I probably watched this, I was trying to think, probably when I was a junior or senior in high school, so like 17, 18. So it's certainly been a while, so I was happy to get to watch it again. And this was, of course, your first time seeing it. Yeah, I had never seen it, which, I mean, shame on me. I knew that I should have, but um, I, I, I don't know why I hadn't watched it earlier. Like, I'm obsessed with it. It's it's really good, and not just in, like, the, like, gaggy, iconic, like, oh, my gosh, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, like, there's a lot of really good material in there, and it I didn't expect to, like, cry <laughs> or, like, actually yeah. feel the things that I felt watching it because it was, you know, just really raw. and, and um, But before we get into that, um, a little bit about the two of us so you know who you're listening to. Um, My name is Maxwell. I am in my 20s. That's all I'm going to say. And (laughs) uh, I am from North Carolina, along with Carolyn. Um, And I wish I had a more exciting, like, identity journey, but I'm really just gay. That's about it. Um, (laughs) Gender gender nonspecific, but really just gay. (laughs) Nothing exciting. So, yeah, I, too, am from North Carolina. I'm still here. I am also vaguely in my 20s. Um, (laughs) Unspecifically. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Same with you. I don't have an interesting journey. Um, 
I am a bisexual cisgender woman. There you go. And that's why we're doing our homework. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Exactly. Neither of us can really speak for um, more than our own communities. (laughs) So. I know. Although on the topic of gender, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but um, I uh, last night I saw a Popeyes commercial, and you know that little woohoo that they do. You know what I'm talking about in the little in their yeah. song. That's my gender. Yeah. That's what it is right now. That's what. Oh. I'm doing. Low key, but but fun. You know, just in the background. Mine is um this bed sheet that I thumbtacked to the ceiling mm. to create this studio. That's mine. I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, also, shout out to. Uh, Asheville, North Carolina. That's where we're actually from. And I don't feel like Asheville gets the respect it deserves. Everyone thinks that I mean Nashville. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's Asheville. P.S. Asheville drag is unlike any other. Pay us a visit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all should check out (laughs) Asheville drag. If you're you're Dragula fans, um, one of the uh, cast members of Dragula, Priscilla Chambers, um, is an Asheville native. Actually, used to be my neighbor. I still have glitter on my yep. Cards Against Humanity cards because of Priscilla Chambers. Yep. Um, it's our hometown hero. So, yes, we love her. Um, and for those of you wondering why the podcast is called Mutable Immutables, it is because uh, Carolyn and I are both mutable signs. Um, I am a Gemini, and she is a Sagittarius, and we can't be muted. I'm sorry if you hate astrology, if you do, this is not the podcast for you. We're not professionals, but it's all we talk about. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. This has nothing to do with coding or Python. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I learned when I was um, when we were making the socials and stuff for uh, the podcast that mutable, immutable, those are like coding terms. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, so blinded by the stars that I just didn't think they could yeah. mean anything else. But you know. Here so we this are. is not that. This is not that. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I tried to learn how to code a little bit, but this is this is not that. All right. Well, you want to get into it? Yes. Let's get into it. So, um, well, let's film start off. Paris... So, sorry, I, I was going to start off just by saying. So, Paris is Burning, being a documentary, came out in 1990, um, having documented the last couple years. I think it starts in like '87 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, of the Paris is Burning ballroom scene. Um, it's a documentary uh, that was kind of pushed ballroom culture into the mainstream for the first time. Uh, so even in the doc, they talk about how it's already sanitized, kind of whitewashed for the masses. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it's at in the in the discussion. Yeah. Uh, when So if you've never seen it and you do watch it, don't be surprised if you have the urge to just like Google everything you can about it and everyone that's in it as soon as it's over, because it really is that interesting. And I was surprised to learn that shortly after it came out, uh, there was some controversy surrounding it that still exists today. Um, But even back then in the early nineties, some of the controversy was very similar to um, what we might hear today about um, the filmmaker, even though she was part of the queer community herself Um, She was still a white woman from a certain amount of privilege. Um, And so a lot of the people, especially those in the film, um, you know, on the one hand, they did like the attention. um, But on the other hand, they uh, weren't 100% sure how they felt about it because to them, it seemed like it was um, being marketed towards like a film made by white people for white people about black people. Um, 
because this was very specifically the Harlem drag scene, um, which was kind of created in response to um, the the rest of drag culture in New York not being very accepting of non-white queens. Um, and so these amazing queer people of color do what they do best, and they made a space for themselves, and they made it better. <laughs> and we are still feeling the influence today, and we still get a lot of the same language, we still get um, a lot of the same attitudes. Even on Drag Race, you see looks that are inspired by some of these queens still today. So, very, very, very good film. Yeah. Drag Race, every once in a while, will um, acknowledge Paris is burning. They'll say, you know, in the great tradition. Mm. But uh, some some might say that uh, there's not enough acknowledgement of how many, you know, exact phrases come directly from that film. <laughs> yes, and let's, let's uh, talk about the phrases for a second because... Most of the iconic drag phrases that you know or that you'll hear on Drag Race, like 10, 10, 10s across the board and all that, you know, um, came from one person. Um, and his name is Junior yeah. Labeja, and he is still alive today. Or Labeja, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Um, he's still alive today. And I, um, I've read some interviews that he did, and um, he's not 100% thrilled with uh, Paris is Burning, and he actually... Um, turned down his um, offered compensation for it because he felt like it wasn't enough. Um, but he also said that he is uh, fond of RuPaul, um, even though RuPaul and the producers never accredit any of these uh, iconic quotes to him, which I feel like they should. Yeah. But um, very wonderful, very witty. Um, love him. Definitely. And that's, of course, House of La Beja, um started by one of the most iconic houses yes mm -hmm. yes started by crystal abeja of course and then uh at the time of filming uh the person you're hearing from pepper labeja is the current house mother yes um and so. fun fact uh crystal labeja who uh had a documentary made about her called the queen because she was that iconic uh she actually was RuPaul Charles's first drag experience. Uh, he, the first time he went to a drag show, he went to one of Crystal's shows in Atlanta, Georgia, which I just thought was kind of neat and how it like feels to us like it was a long time ago because A, we weren't alive and B, drag has changed a lot and the, and the you know, all the energy surrounding mm -hmm. it has kind of evolved. But um, yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah. The Queen 1968 is a documentary about uh, Crystal Labeja's involvement in this uh, pageant that happened previously. Um, sometimes we like to forget. Yeah, we like to forget that uh, you know drag existed before you know Divine and Paris is Burning and kind of like the mainstreams. You know, it's always been yes. Around. Drag has been around for a very very long time, even before Crystal Labeja, honestly. But that's that's another episode yeah. we can talk yeah, about. Let's not even get into history of that <laughs> later. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So one of the things that I found um, kind of most compelling is uh, the Harlem drag scene and some of these houses, they were created specifically to be a safe space for people to literally just authentically kind of just be, um, which is something that is still very important today. Obviously, you know, drag is a lot more popular and there's not as much controversy around it as there used to be um but back in the day this was you know i think it was 
Dorian Corey who said um, that when she was talking about realness, that like if you, you know, make it back to your apartment with no blood on you, then that means, you know, you're doing well. And that's, it's crazy to me that, I mean, like, I understand the mindset was different, but. Sure. But I mean, the point is that like so many times your drag family was like your only family that you had. Mm hmm. Yeah. And and even then there were like you worked with them. Even then there were some limitations like, um, who was it? Angie Extravaganza. Mm -hmm. Um, she created the house of extravaganza, Mm -hmm. um, kind of specifically for Latine, uh, Mm -hmm. Queens and, um, just people, uh, because, uh, there was discrimination against them, um, from some of the other houses, which in the Harlem area were, you know, primarily black, but of course, in you know Manhattan and the and the rest of the ball scene, it was a lot of white queens and um, there was a lot of uh, I don't want to say whitewashing, but um, the queens were encouraged to you know in in chasing the beauty or in you know trying to be beautiful, um, they were encouraged to kind of perform some whiteness because that's you know that's what you saw on the cover of magazines. That's what you know. Um, and so I, I loved when they were talking about, uh, or when they were doing the, um, professional balls, I can't remember if that was the word that they used, but where they all dressed up in like suits and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. because they could be professional, you know, to show that given the opportunity, 100% they could be professionals, which Executive is Executive realness. Executive realness. That's, that's what, what you call is. it. And we still see that category sometimes on RuPaul's Drag Race, but yeah, you know, now now gay people are everywhere. <laughs> they, they're say, running the show whether you non- know it or not. Non-specifically, but yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. But you know, the point is, there's like, they don't let us into their balls. We're going to have our own balls. Like, they don't, mm-hmm. you, do you know what I mean? Like, they don't put us on Vogue. We're going to model for Vogue anyway. You know what I mean? Yes. So, like, it mm-hmm. certainly is a reaction to whiteness. Mm-hmm. Which... On the topic of voguing, that's a that's a good segue to the iconic art form that is voguing. Um, I did not know a lot about it other than, you know, I could recognize it if I saw it. But um, mm-hmm. I didn't really know that it was kind of like a nonverbal dance battle, which I thought was so cool. Like the point is yeah. to like, you know, read someone or shade someone yeah. with your movement. You know, I don't know. I thought it, I was like, this is... This is the gayest thing I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, I think, <laughs> it's, like, I think oh. it's Pepper who talks about, you know, voguing, putting your makeup on, and then you turn around the mirror and show them the mirror. Oh, that was because Billy they Ninja. Were... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Billy Ninja, Which I love that. a very I thought that was famous so creative. voguer. Yes. He's incredible. And by the way, uh, we know the gays love Madonna, and we know Madonna loves the gays, but... Bitch, I Madonna's love Madonna. Iconic song... Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Um but her song Vogue was um, inspired slash stolen from this concept um, because it was just it was just that iconic. And unfortunately, that's just, you know, another another rung in the ladder of of popular white creators, you know, taking yeah. inspiration, quote unquote, from from black artists. Um, so something else that I loved about the documentary was in addition to being um, Carolyn, I think you called it like a glossary of drag. Um, in addition to being very informative, 
um, you also just get to see these young queer people thriving in a time that like we all, I think in our minds, just see everyone like cowering in the dark because of, you know, the AIDS crisis. But there are several moments in the film that are just like, they're so warm and like earnest. Like Freddie Penn Davis at one point, who is um, a member of the House of Penn Davis, started by Avis Penn Davis, um, said, what do I get out of it? Just simple joy and satisfaction. That's it. And I I just thought that was so warm and, and precious. Yeah. I mean, just to like watch footage of people just being gay and non non-gender conforming loudly publicly mm-hmm. together i mean it warms the heart but you also remember that these happened like in the middle of the night like after mm-hmm. uh nightlife workers got off work so it's like well but then there was also that scene with um the two girls on the beach one of them was brooke and i don't remember the other one's name but they were just yeah running around like you could you could almost feel like the ballooning in their chest because they were so happy i mean one of them had just gotten as she said the way that she put it was was amusing to me she called it a transsexualism operation which (laughs) i I love the i love the verbiage of that yeah i did want to talk about that though i don't know if you clocked the language they use but um and that's why i feel like sometimes it's non-productive to be pedantic especially with um people who came from that generation when they talk about i've had bonham surgery now i'm a woman do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's like now we think of it as like no you're a woman period but Mm -hmm. back then it was like now i've had the surgery i'm a woman period there was actually some drama with um bitter betty from dragula concerning that uh mindset but we don't have to go into it well yeah i mean the language is always changing um because you know as we get as we spread information and we spread the knowledge about you know gender and what it is and honestly as more and more people talk about their own gender journeys and their own sexual journeys uh we get more tools in the tool toolbox so to speak um in terms of vocabulary which was not near what it is today back when paris's burning was made like i remember uh venus delight talked about going to hang out with some transvestites which you know back then was a perfectly normal and acceptable term but you know today it's um did you mean Venus Extravaganza? Hmm? Did you mean Venus Extravaganza? You said Venus Delight. I said Venus Delight? I meant Venus Extravaganza. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Yes. Sorry. Yes. yes, yes. Venus These Extravaganza are the herself your history. a trans woman. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, Venus by the Envy, way... Venus Envy, Venus Delight. There's so many. Venus just... That, that scene that they had with... Um, Venus and Octavia just talking about what they wanted and and their desires were so simple it so for those of you who haven't seen Venus and um Octavia uh are both trans women although I think um Octavia St. Laurent said that she later in life she didn't identify as a trans woman but she did earlier in life I'm not I'm not 100% sure but um at the time of the film they were both very young very young trans women um who were talking about the things that they wanted in life and they weren't extravagant. I mean, they wanted to be like, you know, rich girls and models and stuff like that, but like, so do children today. That's not, you know, those are normal things to want. And it like, I don't know, it made my heart hurt for them because I knew that, you know, if they ever made it to that point, the road was going to be so rocky that 
I just uh, makes your heart yeah, that, break. Yeah, that scene right before, uh, and uh, is it Angie Extravaganza, I think, uh, mm-hmm. talks about her death destroyed me. That's when those tears started flowing for me. I was like, yes. fuck, I forgot this. Unfortunately, yeah, Venus Extravaganza was um, murdered before the uh, before the documentary was released. And so her drag mother, Angie Extravaganza, um, had to identify the body and... Um, notify venus's parents about it and it was just very tragic and it's i mean this is still something that happens today i mean the idea of a chosen family is a lot more popular now and you know i want to think in my heart that there are like trans kids out there that have a place to go but a lot of them don't and um you know we see crimes against transgender people like still proliferated way 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 more than they should be today and it's just it's baffling and it's tragic it breaks the heart because all like all that they want is a place to like you know belong and to you know feel normal and feel like it's okay for them to love themselves and be themselves and then people just take advantage of that in the worst ways it's really terrible yeah no you're right and it's a fate met by um (laughs) i almost want to say like most trans people uh during that time involved in that scene Mm-hmm. yeah i mean even still today i think the life expectancy of um a trans person it might vary by demographic but um i think it's around 30 or under 30 35. 30 years old 35 years old that is insane like yeah it's, yeah it's awful uh folks if you've got a trans friend just make sure that you give them all the love that you can because the world has not been kind. The world's not kind to anyone. Um, so overall feelings, how did, how, did the, um, how did the film make you feel? What stood out to you? It makes me proud. I don't know. Just like we've always been here. We're always going to be here. Uh, like I said, just like seeing people exist and be gay together in public, just it makes me emotional. I'm just so proud. It makes me proud. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. There's a there's a part of me <clears throat> that that wants to call this uh, my history, um, but I don't think that I can because sure. I'm not a drag performer. I am not black. I you know um, I'm just a very privileged person who is benefiting from from the hard work and the artistry that they the did art. back then. However, um, it does make me proud to be a part of that community. Um, because I, it's hard to think of a community more resilient um, than than the queer community and the black community and the the intersection of those two and how they just create culture. I mean, like we still hear some of the word for word phrases that they that some. they used in the movie. Some, a lot of them. Some yeah. Of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shake the dice, steal the um, race. It was just overall fantastic. I mean. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it definitely made me want to investigate more into yeah. the different people from the film, which I did. <laughs> I looked into a lot of them. On a lighter note, like, let's talk about the outfits. Yeah. Like, that shit's fun. And Literally. I feel like now with with Drag Race being so public, it's like we think of the, you know, Gigi Good and the perfect seamstresses mm-hmm. and the fashion the influences. Yeah. Exactly. Violet Tchotchkes. I love, you know, no, this is not, (laughs) but um, (laughs) I don't know. It's just nice to see people in like 
real clothes walking the runway. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Literally the first the first note that I put, which by the way, um, I have four front and back pages of notes. You hear that? Those paper ASMR sounds. That's because I don't know when to quit. Um, and I have literally the first my brain because I don't write. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> that big gold number that Pepper Labeja came in at the very beginning. I was like, "This is it. This is it. This is yes, yes, a thousand times yes." And and now now that I've seen the film, I'm gonna be looking out for um, on Drag Race. I'm gonna be looking for you know uh contestants who take direct inspiration from these because allegedly it has happened before i don't like i oh aja was bullied aja no aja was constantly talking what was she season nine or so she was always about like i I, she would call herself like aja labeja or something like that like she was very inspired by that house don't quote me love that oh yeah so let's talk about houses really quick because this is super interesting um for those of you who don't know houses in the drag world as described i think by it might have been by pepper it might have been by dorian i don't remember who who called it this or maybe willie ninja i don't know um but they called drag houses gay street gangs and um instead of like physically fighting like street gangs would they would vogue it out on uh on the ballroom floor which i think is fabulous um but it's like the jets you know, and the sharks the, Snap it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I just love the idea of that. Like, you're walking down an alley. and the, I mean, have you seen those videos of, like, the army of queers, like, in all black, and they just, like, walk? No. You know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, well, they're they're on TikTok and stuff. It's like these, I don't know, oh. it's fabulous. But that's what I think of. I'm too old for TikTok. Okay, all right. Vaguely in my 20s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I so could be 20 are... for all these people now. I mean, sure. Anyway. Anyway, um, there were there were a lot of houses, um, but there were a few big ones um, that I, th- I I think still exist today. Um, I didn't look into the houses themselves, but there were five mothers who were referred to as the terrible five, which I think is so fierce. Ooh, um, list them. Yeah. So it was Dorian Corey who. Sure. Um, by the way, has been doing drag since the 50s. I mean, you know, she's dead now, but she started in the 50s, 1950s, doing drag. Insane. Um, uh, So Dorian Corey. um, And then there was Pepper LaBeja. And then there was um, Angie Extravaganza, who actually was the daughter of Dorian Corey. Okay, Um, yeah. Who else? Um... Oh, there was um, Avis Penn Davis, um, who oh. wasn't featured a lot in the film. Um, no. And um, House of Ninja. No, I don't think it was House of Ninja. I can't find the other one, but I thought it was um, just so cool that it, there was like a. Oh, here we go. It was Dorian Corey, Pepper LaBeija, Avis Penn Davis, and Paris Dupree, in addition ah. to Angie Extravaganza. Um, and sure. Paris Dupree was also not featured as much in the film. Um, no, I kind but, of only remember like that one shot of like a bunch of them on the bench. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Which anyway. speaking of um, Penn Davis, um, as I mentioned earlier, Junior Labeja is still alive today. As is um, Freddie Penn Davis and uh, Soul Williams Penn Davis. They are the only three featured performers from the film who are still alive today. And 
two of them were um, in an episode or maybe more than one episode, but they were on Pose, the uh, the show on Netflix. And there was one other person, but um, that person died in 2018. I think maybe it was, was it Hector? That sounds Hector Extravaganza. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Um, I honestly don't know. I haven't watched Pose in a long time. But those characters, like, it's based on the scene, and, like, some characters are supposed to, like, represent real people, but I don't know if... I don't mm-hmm. want to say they're necessarily based on them, but it's, like, they do cover the Dorian's... The Dorian Corey drama with, like, the main... With the mummy? Like, character... The mummy? The mummified man? The mummy. Should we Let's just talk, talk about, about the, the mummy. mummy in the room? Let's talk about the mummy. What the fuck? <laughs> so after Dorian Corey died, some friends or whoever came to, uh, you know, clear out her all of her things and her gowns and whatnot, and they came across this one trunk that was super, super heavy. Um, probably assumed it was just like you know beaded gowns or something. No, but I think she like cracked it open or something. There was a smell. That's how they noticed, and I think. That's when they called the police. This is all off the top of my head. I think I'm remembering that correctly. And um, it was, uh, yeah, um, a corpse of a man who hadn't been seen since 78. Uh, 1968. 68. Yeah, he, he went missing. His family last saw him in 1968. And um, he was found after uh, Dorian's death in allegedly in Dorian's possession. Now there is some controversy um, and a couple different theories about uh, how he came to be there and whether or not Dorian had anything to do with it. Well, so the general consensus is that this is a man who had some uh, legal strikes against him. Like I think he had had some charges on his record before. Most people say that he was either an intruder a John, something like that, and it was Mm self-defense. That's Occam's razor. I mean, who knows, but however, interesting point is that Dorian Corey moved in there in 1988. So it's like, what are are the odds of her carrying a trunk with the body of a grown man across the city or that the chest was already in the apartment when she moved in? Now, I will say not to, I mean, I I don't want to necessarily blame her for this. And even if she did have a dead body in her house for 25 years, you know what? Work. Whatever. It happens. Cool. Um, Work. It, you know, um, but she did, she worked as part of a um, traveling drag cabaret troupe for a while, um, which involves a lot of lifting and carrying. And so even if she didn't have help. I, you know, I feel like she probably could have transported it. Now, let me paint you a picture, though. This is, um, you know, late 1980s, early 1990s. Um, Trans people were not welcomed in general society. And so she, I assume, did not want to bring any kind of attention to herself um, and implicate herself. Because whether or not she had anything to do with it, she would have been implicated. She's not going to the police, would you, in her position? No, no, no. No, no, no. I, I... I don't call the police ever. That was, anyway, that was I your best talk bet. Back to the police. Yeah. Um, Different story. So I mean, good for her work. Um, work. It's just it's crazy. I don't know. And it, for whatever reason, it felt very dragged to me. Like <laughs> to take the secret of a dead body 
to your grave <laughs> only to have it found after your death like oh i love that that's what's wild to I me like during the filming of paris is burning like she knew <laughs> like <Yep>. she knew <laughs> yep she's putting on her makeup and she's like these bitches it, don't know about that dead body that i got strikes, she has a very like leveled demeanor too and you can't help but mm-hmm. wonder <laughs> does it have to do she's very that? poised and i think that's why i love it so much because it's mm-hmm. like you know, she is presenting this very poised, very controlled, almost regal, I would say, yeah. kind of, you know, energy. And she's got a fucking dead body in her house. Icon. Iconic. I love it. It's insane. Get um, into it. We don't condone murdering somebody and harboring their We body? do not condone murdering somebody. Um, well, Improper I mean, uh, disposal or an abuser. Against the law, I believe. So don't do that yeah protect anyway. yourself do what you can yeah <laughs> time. let's not let's not get into legal trouble here um so i do want to talk about um kind of what uh some of the featured performers have been up to um since the uh since the film now uh warning unfortunately a lot of them do have kind of more tragic ends um, so I'm going to try not to focus on it too, too long. I don't want things to get too heavy. Um, but we'll start with those that are still with us. Um, first of all, Junior LeBeja, I've mentioned him a couple times, um, which is intentional. I want to make sure that he's getting uh, the credit that he deserves because he was the only, uh, when, when the show Pose was filmed, he was the only one of, there were four survivors at that time, and he was the only one who uh, was not a part of the show. Um, because he did not want to be part of a project where um, a white person, Ryan Murphy, was in charge of telling these black queer stories. Um, and uh, I think it's, who is it? It's, I think Billy Porter is playing the, the junior LaBeja yeah, of, right. of the show. Um, and I think they've met like one time or something. But um, uh, Junior LaBeja, um, as of the other day when I was reading this article, um, has been spending his time um, working with um, the uh, severely disabled. Um, and he went to school and got his, um, uh, I think his bachelor's um, in social services. Um, my notes are all disorganized. Um, he got a degree in social services and um, now he works with uh, disabled people to um, make sure that they, you know, feel like they've got a friend and to feel like they've got company and um you know i just think that's i think that's so fabulous do you know how old he is um also um i don't know exactly how old he is i think he's in his um upper 60s um that's so young could be one of four uh, survivors and you're only 60 yes unfortunately a lot of uh the survivors um did die young although some of them some of them died a little older than I would have expected, which good or bad thing you tell me, I don't know, but, um, uh, he's 63. Also, fun fact. Oh, he's 63. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot younger than I thought. Not I even like retirement age. Older than that. <laughs> yeah. He can't even be in the AARP yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so the, uh, quick fun fact. Um, the reason he got into the whole um drag and ball scene um is because one day when he was younger um he was uh 
going to take a cooking class um, on a naval ship in New York. Um, and back in that time, the uh, peers um, of the city, uh, I think a couple specifically, were like the gay spots. That's where like all the queer oh, people yeah. and the non cis people would go and yeah um and so he went down there and he said he got all turned around did not know he, where he was going and so he asked a stranger like hey do you know how to get to this uh ship i'm looking you know um and so this stranger was like oh sure baby i'll show you where it is um that stranger was marcia p johnson no kidding look at that yeah i mean i guess oh like God. it would make sense for marcia p johnson to be you know down there sure. at the piers with her people but um, oh my God, love that. For those of you who don't know who Marsha P. Johnson is, which I hope everyone does, she threw the first brick at Stonewall, amazing activist, very, very, yeah. yeah. We'll talk we about her, her someday. Yes, yeah, we're going to have to talk about Marsha P. Johnson because, honestly, I don't know enough about her as I should, and yeah, this is a fabulous excuse for me to finally do my homework. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then Junior... Um, at least according to the article that I read, still lives in New York. I think he's been there this, this whole time. Um, so that is Junior LaBeja. Everyone give him a Google. Um, and any time that you're quoting, I would say probably about 30% of what they quote on Drag Race, it's it's yeah. it's from him. So. Yeah. Um, moving on, um, Freddie Penn Davis is another one of the um, ones who is still with us. He was that um, just adorable, shining little kid who was talking about stealing hamburgers uh, from, what was it, Roy Rogers? Yeah. Um, he is still with us today. I couldn't find a whole lot of what he's up to, but I do know that in 2015, he attended a, um, uh, I don't want to say a re-release, but they were doing like an anniversary showing what of showing? Paris is Burning, um, and, uh, and he showed up there. Um, and that's all I know about him. I hope he's still getting those burgers, though. And I hope he's not paying <laughs> for a single one of them. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame people for wanting to lay low. You, like, you could have never predicted what Paris is Burning would have turned into at the time. So, you know. He was also, like, a baby. <laughs> yeah, and, and part of me worries for them and for their safety, too, because that's, you know, it. I think I read it had a budget of maybe, like, five hundred thousand dollars but then at the box office it did four million um mm. and so at the time that means there were you know a lot of people who were seeing this film um and it just makes yeah. you you worry for them you know because they were being so out and open and vulnerable yeah definitely uh, um and then we have Sol williams penn davis who is the um third and last surviving featured performer of the show there are obviously other people who were involved with the with the documentary that are still alive um but he was one of the featured performers. Um, and if you don't know who he was, he was the one in the um, the military uniform. Um, I uh, don't really know what he's been up to other than being a guest for some interviews and on some radio shows and podcasts and stuff like that, mostly for specifically Paris is Burning. But you know what? As much as I want to know like what they're up to and what they're doing, I'm kind of glad that they're like, that it's like, you know, not just, just out on the internet lives. because... Yep. I, yeah, you can, I feel like you can Google anything about anyone and find out what they're up to. And that's like, you know, just yeah. because we can doesn't mean we should, you know, like live and let live. Right. It's not our business, <laughs> especially for someone's who, someone whose business was put, you know, kind of on blast, you know, back then in a time when it was really dangerous. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, even as 
in those crowd shots, you know, who, how many people of those, you know, wouldn't have wanted their face in that shot if they had known how big it would be? Do you know what Speaking I mean? Speaking of, so. um, Carolyn and I have heard a rumor that Miles J from uh, America's Next Top Model um, is Alexander. visible. Miss J Alexander, not Miles J. Miles J is a YouTuber. Uh, J Alexander. <laughs> You're killing oh me God. with these. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great today, guys. Um, the, the great Miss Yeah, Miss J, J. Alexander. Alexander. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know where she is, give us that timestamp, please. We we were looking. We couldn't find her. Also, I, I had heard that rumor. I swore I had heard that rumor somewhere that you could see it, her in it. And then as soon as I saw somebody who looked like her, I was like, is that her? And then I couldn't find anything about it online. So I'm like... Oh, really? I don't know. Maybe I made it up. Hmm. Maybe it was speculation. I was also kind of looking to see if RuPaul would be there, but I didn't. I did not see her. I don't even know where she was living in that time either. All I know is that she moved to from Atlanta to New York with Bunny. That's all I know. So she was probably still in Atlanta at that time because she was. If that was in, well, no, 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 that was the '90s. No, she would have been in New York. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um. And then. So, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the other performers that we saw in there did meet kind of more tragic ends. Um, Venus Extravaganza, um, who was that just so, so young uh, trans woman that we saw, the one who just wanted to be an affluent white woman. Um, (laughs) As we said earlier, she, unfortunately, um, she was murdered Mm -hmm. um, in a hotel room um, and her mother, her drag mother, Angie, had, you know, talked about her and how she was always a little less careful than, than she should have been. Um, but it's, you know, she took those risks because she wanted to go after what she wanted. And, you know, it's it's terrible that, that it ended that way. But I, I kind of have to give her some respect, for, you know, even though the world was as dangerous as it was, you know, she wasn't going to let that stop her. She was going after what she wanted and she was, you know, trying to make things happen. Unfortunately, um, yeah, quite a few people met their end, either violence or the AIDS crisis. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. Venus was, um, and so young, too. Venus yeah. was 23, and then Angie, um, Angie Extravaganza, was 28 when she died, um, and she died from, from uh, AIDS as well. And even worse, um, her family buried her under her dead name. Oh, that's How awful. terrible is that? I'm sure that probably yeah. happens all the time, honestly. Yeah, it, it's, but it's heartbreaking, too. It is. Um, then Pepper, um, for a while, was known as the, um, well, she is known as the last remaining queen of the Harlem Drag Balls. Um, she was the direct descendant of um, Crystal LaBeja, who founded the house. Um, and um, she she went on for a while. She uh, lived to 57. Um, she did not die from HIV, but um, there was the official cause of death, I believe, was a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, she she had diabetes and she spent the last 10 years of her life mostly bedridden. Um, but um, she had uh, she had a couple kids with her partner. Um, I think one okay. of them was a stepchild and another I think was a biological daughter. Um, and they had a lot of, they had a lot of time together before, you know, um, which I think is great. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying if you're, 
you know, a gay person to go out and try to have biological kids because, you know, whatever, <laughs> fuck kids. But, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's Official I stance nice. of the like, podcast. Got... <laughs> Official stance of the podcast, fuck, fuck them. However, I, I do want kids one day, I think. I don't know. I used, I used to really want kids. Like, it used to be all I thought about because, you know, I was raised Southern. Um, mm-hmm. But the older I get, the less I'm like, because it's like, you know, I can't, I can't be the baby if I have a baby. You know what Stop. I mean? And it's like, I, <laughs> I don't want to give up. Like, let me tell you, I spend every night I get high and I eat candy and I eat cinnamon toast crunch, right? I can't do that if I have a child. I can't sleep if I have a child. So I don't know. Because this is, well, this is the gag. When I was younger, I was like, I'll get married in my early 20s, have kids in my mid to late 20s, and it'll be great. Ha. Of course, at this time, too, I thought I was straight. Here I am, now vaguely in my mid-twenties. Um, You're narrowing it down. I don't want to touch a child for the next ten years. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't, I don't even know if I want one anymore. I Like, I think so, but, like, I don't know. Because, like, I used to romanticize it a lot, but now it's, like, they're sticky, and they're messy, and they're loud. Yeah, they say that if you're even, like, a little wary, then you should not have a child i agree with that (laughs) do you know what though also like i don't know 30 is the new 20 and i think 20 is the new like teens five maybe or or maybe 20 is (laughs) oh it's five years old i'm in kindergarten (laughs) um i don't know maybe i'll feel differently then but right now it's especially with the pandemic going on like I, i don't feel like i've been able to really enjoy my 20s the way that i should and here i am like halfway through them I'm not about to invite some sticky bald monster in here and and upend that. I have now, don't talk to about do. metamorphosis like that. <gasps> ah, <laughs> which, um, by the way, uh, Maddie's kind of doing great. I mean, I don't know. No one said anything about the ballet flats except for Monet, and then everyone on Twitter said something about the ballet flats. <laughs> I think Maddie is doing a lot better than people expected a straight man who walks like a straight man to do. Mm-hmm. So good for her. Which I'm kind of rooting. Like I said, I told you earlier, I'm kind of yeah, rooting. Yeah, I'm for rooting her for her. Yeah, I, I I like what she's doing. I like you know. Um, even though she wore but watching this documentary, even though she wore fucking ballet flats on the runway, and also I was talking with my boyfriend about this last night. Um, we were watching the episode, and like she gives good looks, right? But. The runway walk. I don't know. There's like the shoulders are not moving. It's like I don't know. But I'm rooting for her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh I actually um when I was watching Paris is burning, I had a moment where I thought about Matimorphosis. Um, because um is this a direct quote? No, no, no. Um so but with the with the drag balls, queer people just you know, they didn't have a space, so they just made one. Yeah. Um and then they welcomed people into it um to you know give them a home and to make them feel safe um mm-hmm. and it, it kind of made me think of Maddie Morphosis because you know it's really easy to to hop on there and say oh this is a straight person infiltrating a queer space right but i think that what's more important is that she's being i mean she is a a performer um and she does really well and she was you know she she's not doing it for any kind of you know not malevolent but like her intention you know she's not trying to it's not straight straight pride or whatever yeah it's it's... not straight pride no and um she said in one of i think it was episode two in untucked she said that um being a drag queen has has opened her eyes to the experience a lot more 
um, because like if she leaves her house in drag and there are people around because she's from Arkansas. It's not like um, they're going to ask like she feels somebody dressed up in drag. Hey, uh, are you straight or not? <laughs> like they don't fucking care. They see a, a person dressed in drag. <laughs> yeah. You and know? in the deep south, people still get beat up for that. Yeah, kind she's of from thing. So I think, it's, I think it's very um, I think it's very good that that we are seeing her on the show and that I mean, I've seen on social media and stuff, I've seen fairly positive reactions to her. Like, I haven't seen anyone losing their mind over the fact that she's straight. Um, and so, I don't know. I think, it's, I think it serves often. as... I don't <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> it's not generally. Um, but, like, she's being... But... It's the legacy of, of the yeah. drag ball scene, I think, to, uh, to welcome people and give them a home when they need one. Um, there was a fun- funny moment on Jagula when um, Disasterina came out as having a wife. It was like a moment of shock. Any final thoughts on Paris's burning? I just as a my first time watcher. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, I want I want to see more. I wish that these these wonderful wonderful people were born during better circumstances. But it's also you know important to just as we're going through life and enjoying trivial things like. A straight person wearing ballet flats on the main stage of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> the the roots run a lot deeper, and um, it, it's important to you know not let these people be forgotten, especially because you know just everything that they went through was such. You know, uh, uh, yeah. Uh. I'm just very grateful um, for, shall we say, content creators back in the day. Um, you know, before everybody made a documentary, not only Paris is burning, but like you know just the photographers who took those photos. Like, I'm just so grateful for those. Mm-hmm. One of the most, um, I think, compelling things about this documentary is the fact that, like, there's not a lot of fanfare to it. It really does just feel like you've you oh, know, yeah. stepped through, like, a portal right into late 80s, early 90s New York yeah. um, into the queer scene. And it's, you know, it's, it's just wonderful to see that kind of history happening, like, in real yeah. time, you know. I love it. Instead of like a TikTok dance where they're like, you know. <laughs> Although speaking of TikTok, I do still see videos um, on TikTok of people um, just like voguing. Have you seen those? Or they have are they actually battle. voguing? It's not or like a full ball. What I, what I do. No, no, no. It's like it's like a um, it's not a full ball situation, but it's like a big crowd of people, and they've got a couple people who are like fully voguing, um, like in the middle of the of the crowd. I don't know. It's just nice to see that that's still like so much of what we see in the film is still like around today which is wonderful yeah um so for those of you who have not seen paris is burning go out and watch it it is it's a fabulous film it really puts things in perspective um watch pose watch drag race watch legendary watch more gay shit watch the queen yes but most importantly of all go to local drag shows tip your local drag queens or if you if you can't tip them you know take pictures of them venmo them <laughs> uh, with as much permission as you can and like just you know spread the word about it be their cheerleader if you can't tip in money tip with your energy um because it's it's an amazing art form i can't remember who said it but somebody was like if you can't name five queens that weren't on drag race like from if you can't name oh, five of not. your local yeah. queens like you're a drag race fan you're not a drag fan so get into yeah. your local fucking drag sheen shit's fun which, you know, got to give some respect to RuPaul. As much controversy as there 
has been around RuPaul as an individual, um, the platform that RuPaul has given to drag as an art form across the world, yeah. now that we have 8,000 fucking drag franchises, <laughs> yeah. like we are entering a golden age explosion of drag and it's so wonderful. Um, yeah. Of course, none of that could be done without without the early formative work done by um, the uh, the the queens and performers from Paris is burning. But um, it's it's wonderful where we're at now with it. Um, things are going to continue to grow and continue to get better. Um, and drag queens are going to become the new pop stars, and they're going to be everywhere, and it's fabulous, and I love that. But most importantly, just go tip your local queens. Tip your local Which queens. I understand. I'm an old person. I don't make it out to drag shows a lot because they don't start until like fucking two in the morning sometimes and last night friday night friday night i was in bed by 11 30 and so it's like it's difficult yeah. but like go to go to brunches if you can there's usually drag, drag, I brunch. Say drag brunch is a thing mm-hmm. um and then of Very course good. you know a lot of them perform at pride or you know just just literally just google the drag queens in your area figure out how you can get involved and, and also, support them let's just shout out some Asheville queens so shout out yes. to Priscilla Chamber, Natasha Noir, uh, Natasha Knightley, Noir. Fable Day, yeah. uh, Ida Carolina was the first Asheville drag queen I saw. Um, who else? Uh, Reptilian Anderson, like all mm-hmm. the kids out there. We love you. Calcutta. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I I think I only made Shout it out to, to them. one. No, maybe there was two. I don't know. I didn't make it out to the drag scene a lot when I was living in Asheville because, again, I'm an old person. Um, but a lot of a lot of the performers I knew, like, through social media and through, you know, they're just wonderful, wonderful yeah. performers. Don't sleep on the Asheville drag yeah. scene. Like, it's it's something different. It's good. It's, it's good. cool as fuck. Um, uh, All right. Carolyn, any final thoughts? I'm grateful for gay shit. That's all. You know what? Same here. I would be so fucking boring if I was not gay. I'd probably have, like, three yeah. kids. And a mortgage that I couldn't afford. And a stupid And listen. Car. And listen. <laughs> some of my best friends are straight. I'm sorry. I just love being gay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. that uh, This has been the first episode of Mutable Immutables. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if not, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, uh, if you do enjoy it. If or not, if you you'll want be in it, good company. <laughs> Yep, you'll be in good company. Um, whether or not you enjoyed it, um, you can follow us on social media. Um, we've got an Instagram, which is Mutable Immutables. Um, we've got a Twitter, which is Immutables Pod. Um, we've got a YouTube, again, Mutable Immutables. Um, and uh, we will be posting episodes uh, every week. Uh, I think on sundays or maybe mondays it depends on how we can get the editing done um but they will be that's not a hard deadline though we'll see how it goes yeah um but if you if you want to you know hear about it and when episodes are coming out and what we're into um you can check us out there we don't have a facebook uh because we both have moral issues with facebook (laughs) um so you can't find us there not not yeah we don't we just don't need it i mean twitter and instagram you know that's and youtube that's that's all you need um but uh, episodes will be available on Spotify. They'll be available on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, yeah, if you have any kind of questions or anything you want to you want us to talk about, you can email us uh, mutableimmutables at gmail dot com. 
Um, or you can just tweet at us or send us a DM on Instagram. I don't know. You can get in contact. Send us a carrier pigeon. Actually, that's send the only two, way. Send us we don't live in the same place. Yes, send us two carrier pigeons, and that's the only way that, <laughs> that we'll do any kind of anything. I don't, I don't read DMs. I only read carrier pigeons. Requests will be taken <laughs> by snail mail. Cool, cool. Well. All right. Talk to you later then. Yeah, we'll see y'all next week. Tip your local queens. Tip your local queen. (laughs)